What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Asian Beaches Done Under, a podcast about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diasporas in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show by Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you have enjoyed our episodes, please support us by giving us a five star rating and get your friends on board to listen to us. Finally, we would love you to support this podcast by donating to our Buy Me a Coffee program. Your wonderful support and donations will help us to continue creating the platform for diversity and inclusivity. Make sure you check out the episode show notes for any collaborations we're working with to promote. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey, y'all, this is Jessie too. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian Bitches Down Under. It is well into winter. Helen, um, this week it sees the end of Vivid. Uh, Vivid, if you don't know guys outside of Australia, Vivid or Sydney. Uh, Vivid Sydney is like a winter festival. And basically it's like um, li- a light show. Like mm. the public buildings, the Opera House, the uh, Harbour Bridge, they're lit in really pol- colourful, bright, bold colours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, it's a winter festival basically to promote, um, get people to go out of their homes during night cold yeah, yeah temperature nights of winter in winter in sydney it's you know getting really cold in sydney and i remember when winter, i actually remember i was around when vivid started i think i was maybe in my mid 20s when vivid started and i thought it was mm. it was quite a great initiative because like um generally when it gets cold outside we just like to stay indoors don't we yes and we so, don't really like, go great, out to the city during yeah, the exactly, nights the of winter. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. It, Who wants to go in the CBD <laughs> outside of office hours? Yeah. yeah. It's basically trying to promote the business around the CBD area. Restaurants. Circular cafes, keys, yeah. you know, um, the rocks. I think they have markets yeah. during the, yeah, the Vivid Sydney as well. Yeah. yeah. And Darling Harbour. Darling Harbour. Yeah. To get people. It's all like commercial people. precincts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the first time gigs. back after the COVID because we didn't have it yeah, the last two years. Exactly. Exactly, yeah, because of COVID. And um, it's massive this year. Like, every time... Um, it's I, crazily time massive. I, people melt and people yeah. see. Yeah, every time I go past Circular Quay, which is the station you get off in order to visit um, the harbour, the mm-hmm. Sydney Harbour, yeah. the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the Opera House, um, there's always piles and piles of people. Piles of people. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, hordes of people. <laughs> um, a lot of kids, a lot of children, you know, families... A part of, like, Vivid Sydney, um, initially in the first year or so, it was just light shows. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, it's developed into a series of live events. Artistic events. Arts events. Yeah, art, yeah, yeah like, art events, like, presentations. Uh, uh, big, big performances, yeah. And um, also talks, which I was um, honoured enough to uh, host mm-hmm. last night, one of them, the last one in a series of four, um, in partnership with Australian Museum and Vivid Sydney. And it was a lot of fun. I talked to Jen Pinkerton and Rob Brooks about their books. Um, the topic of the night was modern love. Mm-hmm. And these two individuals had written books about what it's like to date these days mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, technology basically cannibalizing every part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, Helen. Um, you went last couple of weeks ago. With yeah, your How did you find it generally? Two, weeks and, two weekends ago for my birthday, which... We indulged in a restaurant near the Circle as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, was really a, nice. You said it was a Spanish restaurant? Uh, it's Spanish a Latino. Oh, Latino. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Latino. you had gnocchi. 
Yeah, we had Nelky. He's like a fusion. <laughs> I can't say of much course. about fusion of the European foods, yeah. but I'll let the yeah, Europeans yeah. decide. Um, but it was a lot of fun, except for it was a lot of people. I, I don't know really? what kind of um, adjectives I can use, but if it, it felt like a New Year's Eve when I was in uni. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. the walk from Circular Key to Barangaroo was, like, packed. It feels like almost that people are trying to get out of the house after the yeah. pandemic because oh, we've been cooped up so long. And you finally have this event, Viva, that is opening up again. And we're seeing people are returning to theatres and cinemas as well. So, yes. you know, we still want everyone to stay safe. So, um, yeah, still mask up and keep your distance if you can, if yeah. you're going and attending all these events. I feel like the more... Um, um, people are going out the more introverted I've become and I've become such a homebody mm. and um, recently we've my partner and I have gone through a lot of excellent series you know we've talked about from we've finished from we've talked about um, uh, Night Sky one mm. of the best series ever we talked about Tokyo Vice mm. which Helen you also this week um, dabbled into how did you feel yeah. about that Tokyo Vice um, obviously if you haven't heard is a series about Jake Adelstein um who played by Ansel Egort, who is a white guy, Jono, <laughs> who goes to yeah. <coughs> Tokyo to do yeah to, to cover the crime beat. Um, Helen, how did you find it? Uh, we started the first episode two nights ago. It took us two nights to finish, actually. So, um, I found it's quite interesting. One of the questions that you asked last time when we talked about Tokyo Vice was that whether or not it was authentic about his yeah, language his, production. Yeah, Japanese. Yeah. yeah, I think it was all right. Yeah, it's not yeah, too okay. bad. Yeah, you okay. can understand that. You can you can tell that he had put efforts into communicating fluently in Japanese. But at the same yeah, time, yeah. I think because his character is not like any other um, white characters that we see in other films or dramas where they only need to speak one or two lines, lines of a foreign yeah. language. So And they can't even do that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, so <laughs> sorry, can I just say yeah. that? It is absolutely I usually don't use this word because I think it's very, very harsh and cruel. Mm-hmm. But it's so pathetic <laughs> that what like these white actors complain about how hard it is to say two lines in Mandarin? Mm. Like, are you are you are you serious? Like, have you not learnt in music? Do you not know how to listen carefully? Like, it's yeah. so it's also like, condescending towards the uh, foreign language. Yeah, you know. Uh, and I um um I'm just I just, I keep thinking about like it just reminds me of Amy Adams. She has like one or one line literally in Arrival. Um, where she has to speak Mandarin, she couldn't even do that properly. And she said something like, "Learning Mandarin, like in her interview, she was like, learning Mandarin is like the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, more than like <laughs> half the world's population speak it. You fucking dope. Like, what the hell? Like, and I hate that um, Mandarin, like that language, Chinese slash Mandarin, is like put next to adjacent to like alien." Like alien, because yes. like the whole uh-huh. movie is about an alien yes. force coming into the earth. Uh-huh. So it's like, oh, it's an alien language. You yeah, know? and and I do wonder, Helen, is is Japanese easier than Mandarin? Is that why? Like, oh, I, I can't. God no, I, I can't to. really determine whether or not one language is easier than the other one. It's, it's Can really... you not make that? Can you not make that sweeping statement? Because in my head, I'm like, <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe that's why Je- Ansel Egot was able to speak Japanese so fluently, so quickly, mm. as opposed to say if he say if it wasn't in Tokyo but it was in Beijing, 
would he have been able to pull it off? Like, as in, is it just tonally, is Mandarin just tonally more difficult than Japanese? I don't know. I, I want someone I to can, just say yeah. it. Yeah. No, but it's really hard to determine on that. Yeah, because everyone's configuration of your brain is very different to, you know, to different languages. And it's not easy to determine whether or not one language is easier to another one. I I don't want to make any assumptions on that. I'm not trying to say is Mandarin harder than Japanese. Mm. I'm trying to say my question specifically is, is the tone, I guess it is, you know, very generally speaking, that is the question. But, like, mm. uh, I guess my question's more specifically, but in a way it's the same question, um, <laughs> is, is, is is Mandarin tonally more difficult to emulate than Japanese? Oh, you like, probably have to ask, like, a I've, professor of linguistics to de- determine oh, okay. that. And well, that you, professor, you have a master in linguistics. Yeah, I have a master of linguistics, but I don't want to de- determine on that because my brain is configurated in... Differently. Differently, well, and I grew up listening to Asian languages, so that's why I don't want to make a comparison of it. Do you see why coming Yeah, 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 totally. And the other thing I kept thinking about was like bloody Ethan Hawke butchering. Oh, I know one that was line that was pathetic. That is definitely pathetic. That is like that is pathetic. Yeah, yeah. honestly, and to say it later when when um. Oscar Isaac says, oh, you speak another language? And he was like, yeah, Mandarin, or whatever he said, Chinese. I was like, no, you fucking twat. That was not Mandarin. <laughs> you, like, shamed the entire culture of Chinese, you yeah. know, history and really ancient disgusting. history. Oh, my God. Anyway, but also, can I just say that the other day I was, I was wanting to find videos of white people speaking Mandarin mm-hmm. fluently. And so I, goog- I, I went on YouTube and I just Googled, white person speaking Mandarin or something like that. <laughs> uh-huh. um, YouTube that. And I kid you not, every single video was basically a white person ordering Chinese food at a Chinese restaurant oh my goodness. in Mandarin. There wasn't any other kind of video. I was like, what the fuck is up with this? Because that's probably like the, the first thing. the only way yeah, they can the, speak the, Mandarin. Like with, the the like first thing they need to food. do. Yeah. Yeah, just like um, their only kind of... Um, but that's a need for survival. Their only relationship with that language it's is food. through like consumption of food. Yeah. It's like that's repulsive. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if I dig harder, I, I will find like I don't know. That I'm I'm sure there are like lectures given by white people. Yeah, in, completely in Mark Mandarin. Zuckerberg. I, I just, speaking yeah. on a Facebook oh my God, lecture. No, not not Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> But um, I just have to dig deeper. But if there are any listeners out there who can give me a heads up, like if you have any like videos or if do you, if you know of any like white person who literally is just like completely fluent mm. in Mandarin, I'll just fucking send it our way, please. DM us. I'm dying for it. I just I you know when you really think about it, Helen, it's shocking that the, considering the number of people in the world who speak Mandarin, mm-hmm. um, the the absolute. As extraordinarily astonishing fact that compared to the kind of universal uh, universal acquisition of English, that there is no equivalent universal acquisition of Mandarin. Mm, you know, when you think true. about it, that's it's true. so fucking. It's just yeah. like oh god, from the really non-native, is. yeah, uh, like Chinese background or Asian background yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It just fucking shocks yeah. me. Anyway. We've kind of, um, like, gone through the other tangent. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What did you want um, to pick up? I just want to say about Tokyo Vice, I thought it was quite interesting in the way how you're kind of seeing, like, a white person, how is how he is being treated in Japan. 
um, very similar to an Asian or a non-white person being treated in the Western country. It's kind of amplified in the fact that he's been pushed around um, by the Japanese guys at his workplace. People ignore yeah. him because he's a gaijin, you know, foreigner. Yeah. And yeah. people don't take him serious. And he's trying to uncover the reason why that certain things in Japan doesn't happen as the same as, you know, how he perceived in his own society back at home in US. Like, for mm. example, um, we'll probably get into this a little bit later with the discussion around media that in Japan, I don't know if it still happens, but this is back in the late 90s, which where that drama was set in, that uh, the Japanese newspaper don't use the word murder. Mm. Yeah, even so that you clearly know as a journalist that the person who the death is through murder, but the police say that, no, you can't use the word murder. Um, mm. It shows a lot of nuance around the society where perhaps that they don't want to create fear or there's a certain unspoken bruise within the police force that they can't clear a certain score for their safety because there's a murder in the community so the paper newspaper couldn't write murder so i thought that was quite interesting yeah but is that accurate is that i don't know whether or not that's accurate yeah so if anyone who's in japanese you know media industry could tell us <laughs> yeah because it definitely when 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 that happened in the first episode i was uncomfortable with it uh, because it definitely painted jake adelstein's character as like the white savior yeah, you know, middle of the road, yeah. reasonable man. I'm in here. You I know, should try to really change doing, everything. Doing real journalism, you know, yeah. saying, calling black for black and white for white, all that fucking shit. You know, it's just like so white. It's so it's just white. Mm. A white person just always thinks they're right, and everyone else is wrong. Even though I'm in Japan. Do you have you watched anything this week yourself? Um, we basically, you know, I'm obsessed with my friend Billy Stevenson, so um, <laughs> I just um listened to his podcast pilot club and uh he uh looked at several different shows which i didn't find interesting enough to follow except for one of them called the returned Mm -hmm. which is a french um series it had two seasons back in 2013 and it's really haunting um we andrew and i we watched the first pilot this first episode and i think you and your partner helen should watch it it's really really scary but like not horror? in a jump scare horror way. Suspense it is like horror? deemed horror. Uh-huh. And there are like there's one scene in the pilot that was um, very violent, but I just oh. covered my eyes. Um, <laughs> but but it's so good. It's uh-huh. it's basically um, the premise is a town, a sleepy town in France, uh-huh. where um, dead people start coming back. <gasps> Zombies. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. But like they don't realize they don't realize <gasps> that they're dead. So it's really, it's really eerie. Nice. It's very eerie. It's very uncanny. Uh-huh. Billy's favorite word. Um, but uh, I would definitely recommend you watch it. At least the pilot. It's, it's so haunting. It's okay. like extremely good. <laughs> I, I loved it so much. That is the, okay. the returned. If you, and it's on Stan. If you guys have Stan, I'll have a I'll look. Highly recommend. Yeah. Interesting. What about you, Helen? What did you? What new show did you watch this week? Well, new show and old movie. Um, I want to quickly just briefly summarize my thought of Top Gun 1986. One Wait, word. So you ended up watching the I, whole thing. I ended up watching the whole thing. Oh my god. Gross. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I haven't seen it. Um, That's my comment. Or... And then, yeah. <laughs> 
I watched the first 10 minutes and I was trying to convince myself to continue to watch it because um, I rarely not finish a film. Like I will watch it oh, in sections. Oh, you're a completist. Yeah. Like Andrew, So right? I, I will try to finish a film to determine whether or not it is worth it worth my time and Top That's Gun cool. is definitely a waste of my fucking time. Okay, can you just like, um, I, and I care about your opinion because you're the closest in everything to me, like experience, identity, gender, everything. Yeah. So tell me, um, give me your kind of like a summary of it. What basically fucking happens in the movie? Go. Um, so you see a fighter pilot, like I'm not familiar with anything to do with military, but the premise is set out pretty much is just a group of narcissist straight men going to Mm -hmm. this fighter uh, pilot training session and then trying Mm -hmm. to outdo each other and then Mm -hmm. some tragedy happens and they're trying to regain What what, what tragedy? Oh, there was like this term called jet... Jet whip, jet wash, that happened mm-hmm. during like a training stimulation session, yeah. and yeah. then the the jet goes into like a uncontrollable spin, yeah. where the both pilots in the two uh, two pilots in the plane need to eject themselves, and the yeah. tragedy happened. One of the, I'll say the co-pilot, the one who sits behind the main pilot. Um, See how it just sounds like I don't know anything about military. Anyway, um, the co-pilot dies because there's a heavy impact when he they ejected right. from the plane. Yeah. Anyway, I just feel like it's just a bunch of arrogant narcissist guys. White guys. I.e. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, trying to outdo each other, intimidate each other, mm-hmm. all this very, very hyper-masculine vibe in the movie. Oh, it sounds and like the worst way to spend two hours it's honestly. it's like an 80s movie and when the latest movie the second one came out i'm like is that really necessary to make another one that is yeah considered to be you know similar genre i just don't understand yeah yeah, yeah. So, um so what happens at the end is there um, even any plot is there a competition or something? Yeah, there was a competition, and then right, um, at the end, they they have to they had they had this sort of emergency um, situation where some you know you can't you don't know what what country has trying to invade their territory. Like the other fighter pilots came into the territory, and they need to get rid of you know scare them away. And there's. Mm. Just ten minutes of jets just flying around trying to take down each other. It's just oh my god! I don't oh my god know. That's what Andrew said. So we, um, <laughs> okay, good. So, so I we did interpret in... incorrectly. So it was yeah, just... no. Yeah. So we were in the mountains and um, Airbnb, and we were just like flicking through TV because like we don't have TV. I haven't had a t- t- I haven't had access to commercial to a TV screen yeah. um, that's hooked up to commercial TV since uh, like nineteen fifty five. Um, so it was like very novel it's very not it's such a novelty for us to watch tv mm. and we were flicking the channel and we when we were flicking on channel i think it was channel seven they were of course channel seven they were showing <laughs> top gun and it was a scene where um tom cruise and his fo- and his friend the white guy with a mustache um they were being um they were sitting and having some sort of lesson and mm. being and the woman the very attractive woman the instructor, like them, yeah. Yeah, the instructor, yeah. And I, I just turned to Andrew immediately. I was like, nowhere on the planet is a woman who looks like that 
in military. It's just so fucking non-existent. She looks mm-hmm. like a fucking model. Yes. Um, There's so and, many um, things that is wrong in that movie. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Many and then things. and just the way that those men disrespected her and the the kind of fucking like I guess in the eighties it's called flirting, mm. but the sort of disgusting repulsive um absolutely big, uh, sort of like play the stupidness of Tom Cruise in that scene, like trying to be all like ooh I'm so cool like calling out the teacher. And I was just like this is so fucking shit. I can't, mm. I can't even bear it. So, yeah. like, we stopped watching. And then I went to bed and Andrew kept, wa- like, Andrew watched the end of it and he basically said what you said. <laughs> um, it's, like, just, like, jet skull going all over the place and fucking shit. But, uh, Helen, um, are there, like, I think you linked me to an article recently where the, um, there was a female writer who said, why are we so obsessed with Top Gun? It's, like, a very shit movie. Mm-hmm. Was it you yeah. who linked me to that? Yeah, I yeah. think I sent you that link. Like what? Yeah, it's and and like um, I just want to say also the reason why I felt like I needed to watch it recently is obviously because Maverick's out, the second sequel to Top Gun, and the most intelligent people I won't name names on this podcast, but people <laughs> I absolutely highly respect. Respect. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know who I'm talking about. They've watched Top Gun. I mean, sorry, they've watched Maverick and they've fucking loved it. Mm, okay. Yeah, they fucking loved it. They was like, they said it was so good, and they said like Miles Teller was fucking hot, you know. And I, I really like Miles Teller. Mm-hmm. For you guys who don't know, he's the guy from Whiplash, and and they they both told me. Is it very different to? Did they? They've told they me. Told, they, did they say that they, they watched me. the '80s one? Did they watch the first one? Yeah, um, I think um, I think because Thomas Tongxing and now it's like they like. Maybe they watch it for the, the the visual the, effect. The hot men, do I don't I don't know, but like I certainly didn't. I I don't think I want to put myself through that, despite the hotness of Miles Teller. And I don't want to see a fucking like one hundred and fifty year old Tom Cruise <laughs> pretending to be like thirty again. You know, <laughs> I don't need that in my life. It's just so strange. I just don't like it at all. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how much differences it. The Maverick is compared to the one, the original '80s movie, but I don't feel like it's something that is necessary to do oh, yeah. a, a sequel. Was, was there something good you watched this week? I've watched something really good this week. Um, unfortunately, it's a multi corporate uh, streaming channel again. It's Disney Plus. Is Miss, Disney Plus? Yeah. Miss Marvel, which is starring. Let me have a look. I need to pull um, out the name. Yeah, I think I heard from the Pilot Club um, that it's like the fifth Marvel universe, cinematic universe, streaming universe yes. franchise. Yeah, knockoff. Like whatever you want to call it. Yeah, they're just like I keep wonder, juicing it. I wonder whether or not it's like Miss Marvel starring Iman Vellani um, playing the character Kamala Khan, which is like a which is a Pakistani American fangirl of Captain Marvel and I do wonder whether or not this is based on like a fan fiction or the original comic that was created within Marvel. I have a feeling that this is like a fan fiction and they just the production team just taking it out from somewhere and make it into a series because mm. it represented oh, the word again representation yeah. you see a pakistani yeah. character which you rarely see in the mainstream media it gets me i think it does get me i, I think i feel i usually will feel into the trap when i see 
um, and POC appear as a main character of a very popular series. And yeah. it gets me because I can see a non-white family that is centered in yeah. the, in, in the drama yeah. as well. And I really yeah. like it. It's almost like seeing, you know how the feeling when you see Never Have I Ever or you see yeah. some other supposed to be popular culture that is played by a white family or a white character, but instead it's, you know, a, a ethnic family. And it, it's really good, I think. It, I don't know how much effects that the production has put into creating a Pakistani feel or the vibe within this drama. You know, if we have any of our listeners could tell us about it. But, um, yeah, I... I really thoroughly enjoyed it of course my my daughter really likes it as well oh yeah great great of course um have you listened to billy's take on it i haven't listened to it yeah i should oh my god do it man it's so good he he says amazing beautiful things like how um it feels like um ben and like beckham-esque oh yes british the humor is more Uh british than american okay interesting and and he mentioned um, any spoilers. I'm about to say. I'm about to say. Um, he mentioned how it's very um, of that time that the parents um, arrive at the Comic Con contest or something as Hulk. Oh yeah. Hulk or something. It's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it if reflects on the idea of a lot of immigrant uh, children's struggle with their parent and child relationships. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah, you try yeah. to break the boundaries, you really see it within this kind of story that where the children is trying to stand up for themselves, you know, try to assert something for their lives. But you know, the the parents, the protective immigrant parents, trying to stop them to do something. Um, very similar to Turning Red as well. There's a couple mm. of concepts that are very similar. Mm, mm, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Love that. Love that so much. Okay, so um, any other things we want to mention before we move on to our main subject today? Uh, no, that's it from me. Yeah, so let's okay. take a break. Um, yep, and we'll be right back where we'll talk about uh, if you uh, have not followed uh, <laughs> the whole Rebel Wilson saga in the last, I guess, seven, seven, to, eight, seven to eight days. Mm. Yeah, um, we're going to give you a wrap-up and give you our searing opinions about it. Nice. We'll be right back. Okay, so Rebel Wilson, last week I found out through my dearest friend Billy that she, on Friday, last Friday, had um, declared that she was dating a woman. I mean, for me, it's just like big deal. Everyone's gay, you know. <laughs> um, but but obviously, it's not. A, it is a big deal because you know this world is fucking homophobic still. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for me, um, I was like, well, yeah, that's great, like um, awesome, you know. And anyway, the next week it was revealed that she was kind of um, forced into coming out mm. by a. F- f- I'm not going to swear. <laughs> by a uh, gossip this. columnist, Andrew Andrew Hornery. Um, who basically uh, on, I think, like la- two days before, like on the, on the Thursday, the day before Rebel came out on Instagram. Um, she uh, received an email. Yeah, yeah. So um, he had apparently yeah. um, emailed Rebel Wilson's representative saying, oh, I've got news that she's dating this woman. Um, I'm about to publish something. Mm. Um, just heads up. 
Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, so Rebel comes out on Friday, and then on Saturday, the following day, um, Andrew um, Hornery writes this really toxic. Um, it's very strange. In um, yeah. Gossip Sydney, Gossip Column. He's a Gossip Columnist. It's Private Sydney um, or something like Sydney Private yeah, yeah, yeah. or some sort of yeah, yeah, Gossip yeah, about, Column. Yeah, um, about how, how she had gazumped him. Yeah, I know. That word, he was gazumped, is so... Yeah, gazumped. Oh, my God. I can't believe that he used that word. <sighs> yeah. Um, I had so to he actually like, look up that word, what he means. Yeah, I'm like, oh, exactly. my goodness. Yeah. So he was annoyed, basically. The tone of his um, article was like he was annoyed that she had beat him basically like quote unquote beat him to it mm. um, which is like really just like so insane and I, I mean there are no words to explain how I don't know I feel like a deeply personally very unethical it was for him to write this but anyway um, he got like a lot of complaints about it so on the I think Sunday or the Monday he wrote an apology and the actual piece he wrote on was Saturday was taken down yeah. yeah it was taken down um, after multiple complaints and then also the the editor um, of the newspaper, Bevan Shields, also came out in support of Andrew Hornery and said, oh, this was a mistake, you know, we're, we're really sorry. Oh, no, they actually never just said we're sorry. They just we said... Apologize. We apologise. We apologise. Um, but what's interesting here um, is that both Andrew Hornery and Bevan Shields, they're gay men. Mm. So the fact that um, their sort of identity didn't even... couldn't even... Um, allow them to see how harmful it was what they did what he did Mm. you know um it was just like i mean it was just really bizarre that that yeah i I guess it speaks to the different politics and different life experiences Mm -hmm. of and the different lived realities and the sort of discrepancy between those two lived experiences between like gay men and um cis uh queer women mm-hmm. you know it's it's really weird what do you think i feel like that it is there's there is like a misstep of code of conduct within what honorary and Shu has done and i i think the very wrong thing to do was using the word gazant mm-hmm. um gazam sorry gazamed uh to say that um, the person of interest herself. Yeah, exactly. Stole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Like no like, logic oh, at all. In, yeah, it was like, yeah. almost like he was saying, I was going to be the one to reveal yeah. that she was seeing it's, a woman. It's also, but she beat me to it. It also feels like it shows the entitlement of this journalist saying that, oh, I'm supposed to have the power of speech here rather than yeah, you, who, over someone else. who exactly. is actually the center of the story. Of the story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just That's very strange. Like, just the fact that he was like, oh, someone stole my story. Like, how dare a woman take her own life yeah. and tell it in her... In, in uh, her like, own words. Tell, yeah, in her own words, in her own way, on her own terms. It's just and, really like, bizarre it's, it's to me. Like, he, he, it's like a little boy complaining like, oh, they stole my lollipop. That lollipop belongs to me. <laughs> Kind of like that. The, the, the lollipop it doesn't even belong to you. Yeah, exactly. You don't deserve the right to it's suck just, on Yeah, that just the right to say something. I'm sure that he was feeling pressured. I, I know that I, I can understand all the journalists are out there when they have been given a deadline, they feel pressure that, that they need to produce something. And sometimes when they've been pushed to the point of brink that they will just do anything or they haven't taken in consideration of other people's feelings. And again, um, I remember this has now been deleted. I remember one of the lines he was saying that, oh, it's 
Love is love, you know. Like when I'm saying that, who is seeing who, who is dating who, it's regard. I think he was making the and a statement of saying that it is. Um, it doesn't really. I don't really care who's seeing who, whether or not it's a heterosexual or homosexual. Yeah, he was relationship. Yeah, I think he made the point that he would have done the same if he was a guy. Yeah, he would have done the guy. But the thing is that you don't know whether or not Rebel Wilson's family. Is acceptable, even know, even know, even know or that being she's acceptable exactly. of a, a same sex uh, relationship, or the other woman, uh, Romana, I can't remember her surname, the fashion designer. Yeah, yeah, her it, girlfriend. Yeah, her girlfriend's family or people yeah. around her will be acceptable. You know, you don't know the repercussion of something like this being publicized, how much. Um, let's say if you think positively, people will be happy about it. But it, again, you never know what kind of things will come out. Like you said, you know, the world is still very homophobic. Um, and by saying that because you're gay, it doesn't justify that everyone's life experience is the same as you. It doesn't justify that, you know, they're coming now, it will be a happy ending for, for her as well. You know, and she should be mm. able to have the right to choose when she wants to tell the public. And I always feel like I can't believe that gossip column about people's private life still exists. Like celebrity, I don't really fucking care who is celebrity dating, to be honest. <sighs> well, yeah. I mean, it's always going to be a thing. Yeah, people like to people talk can. about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's true, but I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, so it really made me think um, the standard of media ethics and what really shocked me was that um, I'm going to talk about something a little bit similar to this Rayball Wilson's news. Um, Just in the last few days, because for a film festival, I need to watch through some films and one of these films, I don't need to mention the name here because I want everyone to go and watch it, but I feel really, really uncomfortable sitting through that film because the media of that certain uh, country are very often, like I would say very extraordinary, they're very blasted towards news about sexualization, uh, sexuality scandals and violence to the point they will publish a leaked video or the videos that has already been viral and actually would inflict personal mental harm to the people who are involved with that like mm. publicly that and they but they put the uh masaike, what do you call it in english like blur they'll blur the face yeah, yeah pixelate yeah pixelate the face but they will still play the viral video like right, very right, right. sexualized or scandalized sort yeah. of video like publicly yeah. so I, I do wonder why that why do television channels do that? This is in another country. I don't think it had... It probably happened in Australia, but really long time ago. But yeah. because we grew up here, we kind of taken the stand of the professional ethics within mm. this country. Mm. And seeing that country's television station does that, I'm like, why, 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 why? I, I keep asking myself. I couldn't mm. get an answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's very similar to what had happened with Rebel Wilson's news, I guess. You know, you always ask why that in the case of journalism that you will really expand your thoughts and further think about it, the intention of the pieces and what goals that these journalists are trying to achieve. 
Yeah. Yeah. But also, on the other hand, I really have to think about you know what will be this incident cause on the credibility of a journalist. Right. You know, it also as important as other people in other work. Like my bottom line is that language is always a weapon. I think words are weapons yes. as well. Yes, especially I love that. at you know this stage of our life that the problem with social media it's not communicate. A lot of things are not communicated directly. Like every tweet and every comment is pu- like open for yes. public scrutiny, judgment, yes. and interpretation. And yeah, so where do we go from there? Oh, that's so beautiful. I love what you said about words being weapons. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I have a lot to say about, I guess, what I, what I mentioned before in, in the way in which Western democratic free press... Mm. Like, I, I am all for, obviously, free press journalism is important. Um, the thing, uh, like, in, and in relation to, I guess, like... Um, the Rebel Wilson, Bevan Shields, and Andrew Hornery kind of um, saga. Mm. Um, I'm kind of uncomfortable when they say, "Oh, um, I'm just asking in 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 the journalistic ethical standards of fairness, honesty, genuine, you know, all that." It's like it's like it's like they they can these white men can just lean back on their like identity of like oh yeah i'm the reasonable middle middle of the road man yeah you know? because like, they think the they're, the, they're the authority the and yeah and and like they their kind of perspective is like <sighs> unbiased you know and i just i don't think journalism like anyone who has half a brain if they really think about it most people don't think about this but the truth is um all of us are biased mm-hmm. and there's no such yeah. thing as objectivity and so, like, I hate it when, like, these white men espouse objectivity, espouse fairness, espouse genuine, like, um, pursuit of some... As though there's only one truth, as though there's only one fact. And that, to me, speaks of a lot of blindness. It mm. speaks to me that you're blind about intersectionality. It speaks to me that you're blind about the fact that just between a man and a woman, still today in 2022, and unfortunately probably for the next fucking 10,000 years... Maybe not ten thousand years, but like ten years, ten, <laughs> Very fifty long years. Time. Um, yeah, um, our lives will continue to be drastically different. You know, um, mm. our, we will be judged drastically differently because of our fucking different genders. And I hate when people espouse those lines, like, "Oh, I'm just trying to be fair. I'm just trying to be trying to run the journalistic line of reasonable middle of the road." I'm not. I'm not subjective. I'm uh, sorry. I'm not being subjective. Uh, I don't have any biases. It kind of just for me. When you think that you're taking that route, it basically means that you're blind to mm. all the different intersectionalities. Yes. Yeah. That a person um, faces, and every human life um, is a different life um, experienced. You know. So it just, for me, it just um, it speaks. Yeah. It, like objectivity that's why that's why i think i hated the law when i studied law i found it so oh, law is never because, fair because it's justice. so un, yeah it's, it's so blind it's so to blind. um absolutely it's so blind to lived realities mm-hmm. you know and it's so heteronormative and it, i mean the whole law helen you know it's really written by up. straight white yeah. guys mm-hmm. so um at least in the west um so and then in the East and everywhere else, but always by men. men. Yeah. So it's always like men looking out for their own 
interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I just, yeah, it really makes me uncomfortable when these journalists say, oh, no, I'm just asking the questions. I'm just being objective. Like, mate, are you, like, blind? You're obviously blind. Anyone who thinks they're objective is a very, to me, is very, very blind. It also shows how unaware that this journalist is that just common sense if someone doesn't reply anything you don't do anything about it okay and then Rebel Wilson came out publicly herself okay it is her personal privacy she chooses you you don't get the right to come out and write a piece about how upset you are because someone (laughs) to me the bottom line is that there's no logic of what they were doing absolutely no logic Yeah. yeah I don't get it Okay, so let's take another break. And when we come back, uh, we'll head into the second news of this week, which is something about food. But interestingly, it's got some connection to some legal issues too. Oh, interesting. When we come back, we'll talk about mochi muffins. Mochi muffins. Okay, so we're back. Um, I first noticed this incident in news. Uh, which was right after a recording of our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Usually I would take a moment and reset my brain after our great discussions during the recording and browse a bit of Instagram, dog pictures, <laughs> and return to the work of editing the podcast. This is when I saw Kate from Subtle Asian Baking, who we interviewed in March, it feels like so long ago. She was going on a live uh, on Instagram. She was saying how disappointed to see a business sending cease and desist letters to other bakeries about the usage of the name Mochi Muffin. I was a little confused then, and so I went back to look up post prior to that live video and trying to find out what was going on. So this is what actually happened. So it, it, uh, the news is in US. So back in 2018, a bakery in San Francisco called The Culture bakery trademarked the term mochi muffin and in the past uh, months a third culture bakery has been sending ceased and deceased letters to other bakeries um, and some bloggers or influencers have came out and saying mm-hmm. that they received the letters too but we don't know the the facts on that they were indicating that other than themselves the letters say that other bakeries and whoever uses the term mochi muffin should not be using it all day you know, uh, have a potential being sued. Mm. So those people have reached out to Kay and talked about what happened. So there comes a backlash that the community trying to clarify why this term, a very genetic term for all Asians out there and non-Asians out there, mochi is basically Mm. a glutinous rice. Yeah. And muffin is just muffin, you know, like cookies or biscuits. Mm. Um, The statement came out from the... Uh, culture bakery was that um, they say that they originally pursued a trademark as a means to protect our business our livelihood and the one singular product that was driving our sales at the time when it was just two baking and running everything two of us run uh, baking and running everything we are selling our products to a large cafe chain at the time that told us they are actively seeking someone to bake their own mochi muffins we were advised that trademarking our product could 
ward off the threats, so we pursued, and it was awarded a year later. The intention、mm. was always to protect ourselves with the trademark, and never was to cancel anything or anywhere or anyone、mm. else. Sorry. Um. So that was what the bakery owner said, and、yeah. he had a bad. And you said these are gay guys in somewhere in California,、uh, yes. or Seattle, was it?、Uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it made me wonder that when I look at it, my my common sense tells me that why would anyone want to trademark watching muffin? It was almost like your trademark, your trademarking like chalk chip cookies that、like、no one、yeah. else should be using it. Yeah, you can't、exactly. sell the product yeah, that has、um, chalk chip cookies, you know,、yeah. in, in your bakery,、name. in your cafe, or something like that. This is essentially what they're trying to do, and.、Yeah. There, I'm seeing it from different sides, and there are a lot of questions popping up、um, on today's discussion. And I want to start off by saying that, asking the question: Who gets the right to trademark this term? Names、um, exactly. Culturally speaking, the owners I looked up the owners are Indonesian and Chinese couple, and mochi is Japanese <laughs> language. <laughs> so neither of the owners had Japanese、yeah. heritage or background, so、yeah. it, it kind of confuses me why you want to trademark something that you had no relation with. Yeah, even, even if you did, even、I、if you did,、really、you shouldn't. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing that because let's not deny that Japanese culture and language have been more popular compared to other Asian cultures and languages, and yeah, mochi yeah. is probably more recognizable. And ingrained、yeah. into a lot more Westerners compared to other、yeah. languages. You know, the glutinous、mm-hmm. rice for us is muaji. Yeah, you know, yeah. the Chinese yeah. term muaji. Yeah, and also tra- the the trademarking the description and generic ge- generic term、um, yeah. feels like you're trying to monopolize the whole market、I、of、know. this product.、It's, that's just like insane. I feel like we've talked about this before. Have we not talked about this on a podcast? I think we've、um, kind of briefly mentioned yeah, it. You, yeah, you mentioned it as a culture, news item. Culture appropriation as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And on the、uh, on the other angle, I feel like the institution, like whichever legal institution that approved the trademark, has zero awareness、oh, of the yeah, language、exactly. nuance, not knowing that it is a generic term. You know, they probably、yeah. think, oh, mochi, mochi is probably. Like a name, you know, like Betty's, yeah, <laughs> Betty Broker, yeah, Betty's Burger or something like that. That's why they approved、um, the trademark for this turn. And apparently, that third culture bakery was pending to trademark mochi brownie and butter mochi donut as well. So、mm. I don't know exactly know what their intention was. Um, butter mochi donut. But yeah, mochi donut. That's your dog. Why? Yeah, I just gonna let my dog out. Just give me a sec. Okay. Who let the dogs out? Helen. 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 Who let the dogs out? Helen. Helen. <laughs> <laughs> so in the past week, because of the backlash from the Asian bakers community.、Um, The third culture bakery is trying is releasing the trademark of mochi mochi muffin. Wow! So according to Ida San Francisco, the article says that the couple shares that they severe ties with all legal representations and plan to reevaluate what it means to own such trademark. 
since the article ran last week, um, so you know, San Francisco Chronicle has brought up a, an article about what had happened. Everyone from the fans of the pastry to those who have never heard of this uh, item have been witness to this back and forth, which is unfolded largely on social media. Those critical of the bakery and its trademark has been leaving negative Yelp reviews and calling the business repeatedly per the couple's post, which also implies angry individuals share um, the owner's personal information online. I don't think, really think it is necessary. Like doxing them. Yeah, it's not really necessary that's to really, do. Yeah, yeah, that's really un- bad. It's that's unethical. Really un- that's just crossing the line. Exactly. Yeah, but it really had an impact on social coherence within the Asian community, I feel. It's yeah. um, it's not a good look, definitely. Yeah, and Asians attacking Asians. Yeah. I think the biggest winner of out of this lawyers because what the, the third oh, yeah, totally. culture bakery's owner was saying that oh because we were advised by our legal teams, so when they say that I'm like okay so the biggest winner is the fucking lawyers again you know they had yeah, the power yeah, to determine course. what is happening and manipulate those they probably didn't have enough legal understanding to what is, what was happening you mm. know I, I don't know I can't say for them but I can't speak for them so they might not be realizing. That they are hiring a professional group of you know legal staff who is earning money out of their hard-earned um, yeah. baking sales. Having this strategy could de- detriment their reputation in the future. Yeah, it's definitely a damage has done, and I hope that um, people will remember and learn from this incident that you yeah. don't just <laughs> take an advice from. <laughs> so easily yeah, yeah. yeah. by the end interesting story yeah by the yeah. end I was still seeing the trademark mochi muffin with a capital R in a circle that is still on the culture bakery's Instagram front page so I'm not sh- quite oh. sure whether or not they have actually released a trademark or perhaps it would take a little while to do so with you know most uh, lengthy legal procedures oh um, yeah I've never actually seen what this looks like. Is it basically a mochi within a muffin? No, it's a muffin that is made with the rice flour. So the texture is a bit similar to mochi, but it's baked. Can we try and make one? We can make one. Yeah, we can make one. We should try and make one. Yeah. Yeah. Because when the trademark was... And then not tag the... <laughs> not tag, yes. Not tag the restaurant, <laughs> uh, the cafe. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. Because <laughs> then we'll be sued. We'll be, like, caught up by lawyers. Yeah. So the final piece of the news that we want to mention this week is the violent attack on women in China. Dongshan area um, Jess certainly doesn't want to talk about this because it's really upsetting and we all know that any news that is um, gender violence really depressed both of us so the news has gone viral across the world um, even with New York Times that the brutal beating of women in China highlights the risk of saying no I just want to quickly cover this that um, it was a hap- it was happened like I think uh, just over a week ago. My friend actually sent me the video of the incident. I didn't realize Jesus. that because I was busy with family stuff last week. That's I didn't watch it until I saw the news on New York Times. Wait, so you did end up watching the video? I only watched a clip of it. 
like I couldn't go through you, the whole how, thing. I don't I don't even know how you do that. I would just for yeah, me that would just um, really upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I wouldn't even go near it. I would run a thousand miles from it. But anyway, go on. So what happened was that the a man walked into a barbecue restaurant in northern China and approached a table of three women. Uh, he put a hand on the back of one who shocked him off. In response, he slapped her and then with several other men, savagely beat her and the other woman, hitting them with chairs, kicking them and dragging them outdoors, which has caused um, two of the women to be hospitalized and it took really long time for the cops to come in and to intervene. And they, didn't even arrest, they couldn't even arrest the guys at the scene. I think the all the guys were arrested the next day it was just um i don't know how to put into words to describe this feeling it's exhaustion seeing news like this and it's tiring to repeatedly see news about gender violence and when women were told to say that we should stand up to say no um this is the sort of response that we get from men yeah yeah it's really irritating and upsetting and frustrating and really makes me angry yeah yeah i don't know what else i can say yeah can, can we end on a brighter note please yes we can end on a brighter note which is we'll be drawing the winner of the survey competition and we would love to thank all who has filled in the surveys and enter the competition um, we want to just share a couple of the comments that we received um, for our listeners. Just do you yeah, have? Yeah, they were so love, lovely. All of them were. We got an, an exorbitant amount of responses. Thank you so much for all those people who responded to our survey. We're very, we loved all the comments. We're, we're hearing you. Helen, do you want to just read out a, a, a couple of lines, perhaps? Yeah, okay. So I have some in front of me. Um, one of the listeners says, uh, I love this podcast. It speaks to me as an Asian growing up in Australia and helps me to navigate my own thoughts and feelings about the world. The topics can be very emotional, but I would much rather feel uncomfortable, sad and angry than blissful ignorant. You guys are are doing a spectacular job. I only wish I had found this podcast sooner. Oh, that was so sweet. That's yeah, really it's sweet. very nice. Do you want to read Thank out the so very... Much. I don't know if you want to read out a very long one. I thought that was brilliant. No, I, I didn't really want to read it out, um, <laughs> but I just wanted to thank the person who gave us a very generous um, feedback. And you know who you are, because um, it was like more than two paragraphs <laughs> And yeah, I just it was it was just like um, we we really value um, your your kind of um, effort in telling us because I know I know it takes time it takes a lot of energy and emotional bandwidth to to you know share your thoughts um, so to that person who congratulated us on our one hundredth show also thank you so much really we we get your vibe shift and. Uh, it, it really gives needed. us the encouragement to continue yeah. to do this every, almost every week, you know. Oh, yeah, can yeah. I say also, last night when I was hosting that event at Vivid, mm-hmm. there was a really sweet Asian woman who came up to me afterwards and she um, she thanked me for writing the book. Oh. And she was just like, she was just telling me, I won't tell her tell you exactly what she said, but she's like, um, basically, and also she thanked me for the Sally Rooney um, op-ed. <laughs> <laughs> which I copped a lot of backlash for, but I will never apologize for that. 
Um, but she kind of just said, um, you gave me the strength to stand in my anger. Aww. And I was like, God, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, yeah, Asian sister power. Like, as long as I have one, as long as I change one person's like if as long as I empower one Asian woman, yeah. I'm very happy. Yeah. I've done my job. Yeah. Like as long as my um my one one of my books or any work I do helps an Asian woman. I mean that's really all I care about in mm-hmm. this world, an Asian woman. Um I only care about myself <laughs> But I only want to give um better lives to Asian women. Yeah. Like I think um, the power means. then I have I have made this world, yeah. left this world a better place. Or even just, you know, we have the similar values and someone's actually voicing it out, letting them know that they're not alone. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks again. So the drawing of the winner, will, I will have, um, I'll post something on Instagram, Facebook, and let the winner yeah, know. Yeah, how exciting. And also DM the person. Okay, congratulations. And also congratulations, congratulations to all our listeners. I want to just, you know, thank you mm. for being very supportive. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple and give us a five-star rating. If you would like to support what we do here on Asian Bitch Star, head to our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's the uh, for us this week. Such an exhausting week. Yeah, peace week. out. Helen is exhausted. Um, she's going to go play with her dogs. I'm going to go write my novel. <laughs> Exciting times, guys. Okay, stay safe, everyone. Stay creative, stay safe, and be well. Be well? That's so boring. Be well. Peace out. I want to be, uh, I want to come up with a good catchphrase. Okay, bye, guys. <laughs>